Aloha. Good evening, everyone. It's good to see you all in on a freezing cold night, as everybody, the toughest Christians are out on a night like tonight. It's good to see you all in. Isn't it wonderful to be able to worship God and come together with God's people in the middle of the week and sense his spirit and feel his presence blessing our lives? Would anyone say amen? amen. Tonight we're going to be looking at the scriptures. Um, last week or the week before last I was doing, I began to talk about the book of Daniel. And the reason I'm talking about the book of Daniel is because the book of Daniel is one of the key books in the Old Testament for understanding the New Testament. And one of the reasons I really wanted to look at it is because some scholars have described the book of Daniel as a New Testament book in the Old Testament. It is so jammed full of the move of God. It is so jammed full of miracles and the impossible. I like what one scholar wrote. He said, if you can't stand miracles, don't read the book of Daniel. Because God moves in miraculous power time after time after time. In fact, if you don't like miracles, don't bother with the Gospels, don't bother with the letters, don't bother with the book of Acts, don't bother with the book of Revelation, just don't bother. Because miracles are part of what God does, and he still does them today. Would anyone say amen? amen. I want to look, I want to continue on the story. Now, I don't want to be getting too boxed in by all of the details in each, in each part of the story. But when we come to look at the book of Daniel, I want to remind you just of one important thing. The events that we're looking at in this book happened in real time, in real history, in real places, to real people. This is not a dusty old book. It contains both stories of the past, but also predictions of the future. And it talks about the real life people like you and me. Is there anybody here who's in who's artificial, any cyborgs or any androids in the house tonight. No, real people only. And that's what the Bible continually speaks to. I want to very briefly, in just a couple of seconds, look at the background to the book of, the, the book of Daniel. And I would encourage you, as ever, to read the book of Daniel yourself. It doesn't have that, it's not that big a book. You'd read it in a few days, even just visiting it one chapter at a time. You'd have it read like in about a week, even just by one chapter a day. And it's really full of God's work. But I want to look, first of all, I, lo- I like this myself, so I hope you like it. I like looking at the story of the book itself. What's the background to the book? Well, just for what it's worth. The book was written somewhere around the year 536 BC. And the period or the time, the historical time that it covers, covers the years between 605 BC and 536 BC. It's written in two different languages. One of the mysterious things about the book of Daniel, which was written by Daniel himself, was that it's written in two languages. The first chapter and chapters 8 to 12 are written in Hebrew and chapters 2 to 7 are written in Aramaic. And there's been many questions and many proposals. Now, they're very similar languages, but they're written in different languages. And some people think that the reason was, is that Daniel wanted to communicate with the believers who believed in God, specifically when he was talking in chapters 1 and chapters 8 to 12. But he wanted to speak to everyone, including all of the Babylonians around him, when he recorded The chapter 2 to chapter 7, Aramaic, was the language of the Babylonians. The main themes of the book are about God's control over history. Brothers and sisters, I don't care who leaves the European Union. I don't care who joins the European Union. 
with respect, I don't care how bad the coronavirus outbreak happens. I'm not that interested in where the wars are breaking out. I obviously don't want to go to war myself. I'll pass on that if that's okay with you. But I do know this. God is in control of history. He is in control of history. History, as one fellow said, is his story. He is the one who's telling the story of history. And it also is a reminder, this book, of God's protection and his favor to his people in a hostile culture. Do you know what kind of a culture you live in? A hostile culture. A hostile culture. A culture that's hostile to the message of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to briefly recap in just a couple of seconds what we looked at last week. We looked at how the Israelites were taken away into exile. They were taken away from their own country and taken away to the ancient uh, city of Babylon, to the empire of Babylon. The empire of Babylon invaded their country and took away the finest of the people and dragged them off in exile off to the city of Babylon. We looked at how nice their king Nebuchadnezzar was. He was a lovely man, a very kind man, loved animals, pets and children in particular. Um, But he didn't really like kings who rebelled against him. And this is what it recorded about the last free king of, um, of Judah, the province of Judah the people were taken from. It says this of him, the king Babylon made Zedekiah, this was this king, watch as he slaughtered his sons in a place called Riblah. And then the king of Babylon also slaughtered all the nobles of Judah. A lovely fella was Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. But then his pièce de résistance, I said this the last time, if you're a little squeamish, don't read the Bible. It says this, that then he gouged out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him in bronze chains and led him away to Babylon. The last thing he saw was the murder of his own sons before his eyes were gouged out. The reason I put those verses up there is not to frighten you, turn you off, disgust you, but to give you a sense of the context into which Daniel and his friends, three guys, we look at them in one second, into which they were going, and the brutality and the violence of the Babylonian Empire. The people that they were going into exile with were a brutal, violent, despotic people, and particularly their king, Nebuchadnezzar. He was a violent, brutal, and despotic man. when, When Daniel was taken away with a broken heart, we read about how how it says it by the rivers of Babylon where we sat down and wept, where that famous song comes from, the Psalms and the Bible. But he was taken away with three friends and those three friends all had their names changed. This was an attempt to assimilate them by changing their name, by changing their identity, by changing the way that they thought, by changing their loyalty. And to each of them, they had their own names, but they were given a Babylonian name. Each one of them, Daniel was given a new name, Belteshazzar, Hananiah was given a new name, Shadrach, Mishael was given a new name, Meshach. And Azariah, Yahweh is my helper, he was given a new name, Abednego. And these guys had their names changed, they had their education changed, they even had, wait for it, their diet changed. They even underwent a taste test. They were taken away and they were to be fed in the finest of foods from the table of the king of Babylon because they were to enter into effectively the university of Babylon for training to run and work in the empire of Babylon. What we're about to read is Daniel chapter 2. We're not going to read the whole story because it's quite a long chapter, but I'm going to pick up on a little bit of it. Tonight's message is titled, The Impossible Dream. And I want to look at what happens in this part of Daniel chapter 2. Can I just say this before we start? As I was praying yesterday and I was praying today, the Lord was reminding me 
that there is this passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 18 in the Old Testament of the Bible. And it's an interesting story. It's the story of a guy called Ahab. He's a king. He's an evil king. And the Lord had set out that he was going to knock off this evil king, Ahab. And it tells the story about how they went into battle. And when they went into battle, it says that one of the archers there, who was in this battle, fired up an arrow at random. He just fired an arrow at random. And the arrow flew through the air at random and hit King Ahab in the joint of his armor, and he died. And I love the way they use the word, even in Hebrew, it's an inverted commas. He fired the arrow at random. Can I, can I say it to you? You are not here by random or by chance. There was nothing chance about the arrow that that man fired. It was not a random thing. God had pursued it. God had planned it. And God had willed it. And for you here tonight, God has planned and willed that you be here tonight. And maybe in the midst of all of this experience of listening to the guys leading worship and Tom sharing prophetic words from the Holy Spirit, or maybe as we look at the word here, as we look at the Bible here, Perhaps in all of that, there will be a random word that will speak to your life, speak to your heart, speak to your situation directly. Can we pray for that? Will you stand with me? Let's pray for it just for one moment. We stand and pray. It's the way we honor God. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. Lord, as we look at your word, we are open before you. Would anyone say amen? Speak to us, Lord, we pray tonight. May your word land to us, Lord. Maybe even at random, may a random word speak to our lives and hearts and situations tonight. As we gather in your name, we pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's take our seats. The impossible dream, Daniel 2. Before I get to the end of that, I want to finish off Daniel chapter 1 because it's the key to Daniel chapter 2. So these four guys, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah are stuck here and they're given new names, Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego. They're given these new names and they're stuck in Babylon. But you know, God is with them. And one of the things that we read in Daniel chapter 1 was that God was really with these three, these four guys. And here's what the scripture records towards the end of Daniel chapter 1. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding Every aspect of literature and wisdom. God gave them a gift to understand every aspect of literature and of wisdom. All of the wisdom and all of the literature of the Babylonians, they were able to understand it and they were able to learn it really well. Can I just say to you, the reason that they were able to learn it so well was not because they sat in their room waiting for it to descend upon them like a cloud, but they applied themselves to the situation that God had put them in. If God has put you in a situation of work, or God has put you in a situation of study, then work with all of your heart. If God has put you in a situation of study, study with all of your heart. If for no one else, for the sake of your parents, study with all of your heart, will you? He gave them an unusual aptitude, but everybody here, God has given a gift to. Everybody here. We'll all have gifts in different ways, but God has given it to you. What's done to you is to apply it. And here it goes on. God gave Daniel this special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. God made him an interpreter of visions and dreams. Just on dreams. We're going to get to dreams in a second. But here's just something you should note about dreams. God speaks right through the scriptures from the Old Testament right into the New Testament through dreams. He spoke to Abraham. He spoke to Jacob. 
He spoke to Isaac. He spoke to Solomon in a dream. He spoke to Joseph in a dream. He spoke to Joseph in the New Testament in a dream. God is always speaking in dreams. Maybe God can speak to you in your dreams. Another thing to pay attention to in the scriptures is this. Invariably, the wicked, those who don't know God and whose hearts are against him, cannot understand their dreams. And the believers can understand the dreams. The believers are given the keys to unlock the dreams of the unbelievers. It's a really important thing for you to remember. Because I know lots of people have dreams. And, and you know, sometimes you're wondering, what is the meaning of this? Can I suggest this simply to you? If you have a dream that you feel is vivid and is from God, but you don't really know what it is, pray for the interpretation. It's not complicated. And if you don't receive an interpretation, even for the most vivid dream, then just leave it behind. Just leave it behind. Because if God wants to speak to you, he will open all hailing frequencies. I had a very, very vivid dream a couple of years ago. This is Michael's stupid stories. But I had a very vivid dream a couple of years ago. And in that dream, I was lying on my bed, and a lion came into my bedroom and stood on top of my chest. I could feel his paws on top of my chest. And I could feel his breath in my face. And the, the wind was being pressed out of my chest. And I woke up with a start. And I didn't know what the dream meant. But it was so vivid. I was absolutely certain that something was being said to me. And so I thought about it. And I prayed about it. And I talked to a couple of people about it. But the dream never made any sense to me. And it still doesn't make any sense to me. The only interpretation I can put on it is perhaps I shouldn't have had a burger so late at night. <laughs> so we have to be careful that we don't become superstitious, brothers and sisters. Are you with me? Now, that's my story. I'd love to hear yours sometime, okay? It goes on to say this. Whenever the king, Nebuchadnezzar, consulted them in any manner requiring wisdom and balanced, and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. He found them ten times more reliable. Way better, way more accurate. Why? Because God was with them. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. Could you be ten times better than the fellow employee in work? Yes, you could. Because God is with you. Because God is with you. Yes, you can. But then something unusual happens, and that's really where I want to get to in the story tonight. We have a nightmare scenario. And the nightmare scenario that we're looking at begins in Daniel chapter 2. And it starts off, the first verse begins the story of the nightmare scenario for the guys. One night, during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such a disturbing dream that he couldn't sleep. He had such a disturbing dream that he couldn't sleep. No. These people, the Babylonians, believed that the gods, plural, Marduk, Bel, Nebo, their whole pantheon of gods, spoke to them through dreams. Just at the time of this part of his reign, the second year of his reign, we would count it as the third, but biblically it would be counted as the second, he actually had just experienced two very serious military defeats. One in the south to the, to the, Medo, the rising Medo-Persian army in the south, and then in the north to the rump of the Ninevite army. It doesn't matter, or the Assyrian army. It doesn't matter. You, you don't have to know the details in that. But here's one thing for sure. 
this guy was very powerful, but he was very paranoid. He was very anxious and very superstitious. What were the gods saying to him in his dream? And it was really important because for Nebuchadnezzar, this dream could be life and death. Because if his enemies took over the empire, they weren't going to go, Asher, off you go now into a lovely retirement for yourself, Nebi, bye, you'll be grand. No, there was no pension for Nebuchadnezzar. He was going to have his head chopped off if if his enemies were coming to him. And so he has this dream, and uh, some think that he can't even remember the dream, that he's had this dream. And so he ups the ante a little bit, and he calls in some of the best guys. And he says this, he called the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers and the astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he dreamed. They stood before the king, and he said, I've had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. And if you were one of his guys there, you'd go, yeah, okay. Well, I'll tell you what, tell me the dream, and we'll tell you all about it. I'm going to introduce you to a group of people, a whole university of people who made their business in Babylon serving the king. And they were known as the Umaru Mudu. Umaru Mudu. (laughs) I don't have a deep enough voice to make it sound menacing. The Umaru Mudu were your one-stop shop for superstition. That's how you would describe them. These were the enchanters. The guys who would make up potions. They were the guys who would cast spells. They would read the stars for the meanings. They would look for omens and warn the king. And one of their key jobs was to interpret dreams for the king. They actually had books of dreams. They had books of dreams. So you'd say, well, you know, I had a dream and a lion stood in my chest and he was breathing in my face if I went to the Umaru Mudu, which I wouldn't do, by the way. And, and, and they would say, well, let me see. Lion, chapter four. Lion means this, breath means that. So this is the interpretation of the dream. They had these books and they would interpret the dreams. And their interpretation of dreams and their interpretation of omens and their interpretation of signs in the stars and the sky were taken very, very seriously. But they were a load of bunk. Do you know when you open the Daily Star? Is this this still a Daily Star? You You open the Irish Times astrology page, I don't know. That is just a load of bunk, brothers and sisters. It's a load of bunk. It is rubbish. It is a lie. If you've ever been to a fortune teller, I guarantee you that fortune teller will have picked out some little piece of information about you that seems to sound true. Can I ask you a question? Where do you think that information is coming from? Where do you think that information is coming from? Half the time, they fish that information out of you and you haven't even noticed it. But half the time, it's coming from the evil one. It's coming from the evil one. And he wants to lead you away. And they will never, I have yet ever to hear of somebody, and I've spoken to dozens of people who've gone to fortune tellers, not to comfort them, never have once of them ever been told, you know what you need to do? You need to go to a Christian church. Never even once. (laughs) Because that's not where the devil wants you. And there's people here tonight in this congregation, and you have had, and I'm going to pick up on what Tom shared, you have had words spoken to you by a fortune teller, 
or a tarot card reader or a dream interpreter or by your, by your horoscope or something ridiculous like that. And it is like a threat in your life. That threat will not stand if you're a Christian. Would anyone say amen? That threat is broken by the blood of Jesus. But these guys were brought in. They were the one-stop shop for superstition in the household of Nebuchadnezzar and the king of Babylon. And when they were brought in, they, he, the, the normal routine, it was really simple. He'd tell them the dream. They'd tell him the interpretation. But this was slightly different. This time he ups the ante. You know, God loves to put his people in situations that only God can deliver them from. Do you know that? Believe that or not? You can't have, I heard it once said, you can't have a testimony without a test. There has to be something happen in your life. And this is what he says to them. Lovely, gentle Nebuchadnezzar says very simply, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb. How's about him for your boss? I don't know who you face as your boss, but he's not as bad as this fella. Your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. It was an impossible dream. He wasn't just asking them to open the books of interpretation. He was asking them to tell him what he'd actually dreamed in the first place. And of course, they were delighted. He was asking them to do the impossible. Nobody can do that. And there's this back and forth that happens between them. You can read it yourself in chapter 2. And I'm going to just summarize it there. It says that they said, long live the king. (laughs) Just tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. And then they go on to say, please your majesty, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. To which he says, no, tell me the dream and tell me what it means. And they're saying, is Nebuchadnezzar gone deaf or something? No, my lord, the king, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. And he said, no, 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 my little Umarumudu, tell me the dream and tell me what it means. Or do you see those little arms of yours? Puck. What a threat. What's even worse is this guy's paranoid. And he's getting anxious and he's losing a couple of battles and he feels he's under threat and he thinks the gods might be against him and he wants to know the gig. What's going down? No one on earth can tell the king his dream, they said. And they go on to make their protest. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked any magician, enchanter or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream. And they don't live here among people. Eh, eh. You're wrong. You're wrong. What is impossible for man is possible for God. Hallelujah. Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. Now remember, in this group Were these believers in God? 
They were just stuck in the university. I don't think they believed in the incantations, the dream interpretations. They weren't interested in any of that. They knew that God made the stars. They knew that God holds the future. They knew that God was master of the past. They knew that God causes kings to rise and causes them to fall. But they're stuck in this impossible situation. It was impossible. They were unable to do it. But you know what? Every time we think this is impossible, God draws the X through the M in our lives. Every time we think we are unable, God draws the X through the Aon in our lives. Because you know what? We think things are impossible, but if we have faith in God, we will see it happen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can get that job that's impossible for you? Now, if you're applying for a job as a brain surgeon, you've no training in brain surgery, I have news for you, you're not getting the job. I'm just going to offer you that as a prophecy, okay? Are you with me, though? Are you with me? And so they're stuck in this situation, and there's no way out. Nebuchadnezzar has basically said that I'm going to kill everyone, everyone, if you can't tell me the dream and tell me what it means. I'm going to kill you all. I'm going to kill all my enchanters. I'm going to kill all the Jewish nobles. I'm going to kill Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, Daniel. I'm going to kill them all. You're all dead. Because he was so afraid. He was afraid and paranoid and insecure. And so we get to Daniel. And I love what happens here. You know, brothers and sisters, God, James says in, in his letter to the early Christians, he said, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask, who gives generously to Without finding fault. And it will be given to him. These men needed wisdom. They were stuck in a situation and there was no way out. You know, sometimes I've been stuck in situations for which there was no way out. And that no way out can sometimes be when we're trapped in a situation like a relationship that we just need to be out of. I'm not talking about a marriage relationship But I'm talking about a relationship that we're stuck in, that we need to get out of. It could be a toxic relationship with with a friend or a relation or a workmate, a toxic relationship that we need to get out of, but we're trapped and we're not able to get away from it. Sometimes it can be a habit, a practice that we do, that we just don't have the strength and we don't have the power to get out of a situation. We feel like there is no way out. We feel like we're trapped, whether we're trapped by our personality or we're trapped by our circumstances or we're trapped by our emotions or we're trapped in our situations. Whatever it is, we can feel just like him. And I bet you these guys felt the same. But Daniel acted wisely. And so the day came when the king issued and said, okay, go out and kill them all. And he sends a guy called Arioch. Now, Arioch was also known for his ability with pottery, floor arranging, and loving children and pets. Uh, no, he wasn't. He was known as the chief of the guard. And the chief of the guard's job, his number one job, was executing people. And the reason he got the job was because he was really, really good at it. And here's what it records. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and with discretion. God had granted him the wisdom and the discretion. It wasn't God's plan that his people would be destroyed in this situation. God was using him. It goes on to say this. He asked the simple question, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? What's going on behind all of this that the king 
is so upset. Why does he want to kill everyone? What's going on in the situation? For you and for me, when we see somebody react in our lives, when we see a situation that seems to be dramatic beyond the proportions of the situation, we do need to have the wisdom to say, what's going on behind this? When your boss savages you and takes your head off your shoulders on a Monday morning for some minor misdemeanor, have the wisdom not to take it personal and say, what is going on behind this? What frustration is this person doing? Or if you're like me and one night your teenager comes in and decides that he wants to give you his free mind, don't be taking it personally. How dare you speak to me? Think to yourself, what's behind this? Why is he acting like this? And Daniel has God's wisdom to ask a simple question. Why has the king issued such a harsh decree? Sometimes we need to pray and say, Lord, would you give me the words to say in this situation? Jesus said, don't be worried about what you will say. When you stand before those who are judging you, but I will give you the words at the time to say. The Holy Spirit will give you words to say. I want to pray in a while that the Holy Spirit will give you words to say. I want to pray that in a while because I think that's real for our lives. He requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. He just took all the heat out of the situation. You know, here's an idea. If you're having an argument with your wife, husband, significant other, children, late at night, under pressure, take a time out. Time out, time out, time out. Take some time out. Now, Daniel wasn't in a position to demand time out. It was the king. But take some time out. If an argument is becoming heated, step back. Get out of it. Step back. Let the drama cool down. Let the situation calm down before you say something you regret or you do something you regret or put yourself in a situation you regret. Let the heat be taken out of it. Let's learn from the wisdom of the real life experiences of these real people. Sometimes we just need a bit of time and space. He requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. He told his friends Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah what had happened. He didn't keep it to himself. This wasn't a big secret. He went and told his friends. Brothers and sisters, can I tell you this? I, I mean it sincerely. If you're stuck in a situation, share that situation with someone that you know and that you trust. If you're stuck in any situation, if you're stuck in a temptation, if you're stuck in a problem in work, if you're stuck in a relationship or situation, if you're stuck in any trial or circumstance, share it with somebody you can trust. And I'll tell you why. Just speaking it out and bringing it into the light will very often open the whole situation up. Sometimes you just saying the words will give you the wisdom to go, actually, you know what, that situation isn't so bad. Sometimes it will make you accountable. Sometimes we need somebody to hold us accountable, to say, well, have you really done this? Or what did you do in that situation? But can I assure you this? If you keep it in in the darkness, if you keep these trials and situations to yourself, the devil is going to have a field day with you. Share it with somebody and bring it into the light. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret. Do you know he did a great, he, he just had the simple idea. Do you know, he, he just had this, 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 like, this crazy idea. He said, pray. Try it. If you're in a difficult situation, or you need a door to open, or you need to know why the boss is getting on you, or your wife is getting on you, I'm not going to ask any of the brothers to say amen, because you've all got loving wives. I do too. Try this. Try praying. Have you ever tried it? 
Has anybody here ever tried to pray in a tight and difficult and hard situation? Nine of us. Twelve of us. The rest of you need to learn. Try praying. It works. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to get a new subscription to Amazon.com and spend my time looking at their television series. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy. And then, do you know what happened? Something unusual. And that night, that very night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. God spoke to him. Showed him the dream. He showed him someone else's dream. Imagine if you said to me, Michael, tell me what Roger Skillington dreamed last night. I'd go, eh, eh, was there ice cream in it? No, eh, uh, was there a goat in it? Eh. Can you imagine it? God reveals to him the dream that someone else has. That's impossible. That's impossible. I can tell you, nobody in the Umarumudu were able to tell the king this, but only when it was revealed by God. And so he brings the dream. I'm not going to tell you what the dream was. We're going to keep that. We're going to look at this, talk about the times of the future. We're going to do a, a message called Future Tense in a few weeks' time. We're going to look at the dreams that Nebuchadnezzar had and so on and so forth. We're going to look at those. But I'm going to tell you what it was that Daniel did. He gave credit to the Lord. He went to the king and the king said, I heard you know the answer to this problem. And he said, no, I don't know the answer. But this is what he said. He said, there's no wise men, enchanters, musicians, or fortune tellers that can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. He acknowledged God. Do you know the most singularly most effective thing you can do to reach out with the message of Jesus is to acknowledge God in your daily life. In your daily conversations, just acknowledging what God has done, giving thanks, acknowledging his kindness. And that's exactly what Daniel did. He didn't take the glory to himself. He didn't have it upon himself to say, oh yes, well I found the answer and we'll look at the answer another time. But he said, no, God did this. God did this. So he used the opportunity to bring the good news about God to a a very, very powerful king, Nebuchadnezzar. And here's what the end of the chapter records about what happened to Daniel. And then we're going to take a little journey back in our heads. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon. As well as the chief over all his wise men. All the lads who were crying their eyes out before the king in the Umadumaru, all of those fellas who were crying, Daniel is appointed as chief over them. There's one more step he does. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his friends, to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon, while Daniel remained in the king's court. Here's the point I want to make. When Daniel was brought from Jerusalem on the long, painful, heartbreaking journey, which was drenched with tears, when he was absolutely broken-hearted, when all of them were broken-hearted, being brought into this uncertain future, 
in this despotic kingdom, in this despotic regime, in this violent and brutal king and his court, as they made that journey, could they ever, ever, ever have imagined that God would appoint Daniel to the highest position in the empire, save the king himself. Do you think God can raise you up to a higher place? Do you think God can do that in your life, even if your heart is broken tonight? Can God lift you up and put you in a high place? I believe God can. I believe that God can do the impossible in your life. And I want to pray that you would see the impossible being done in your life. It's just a simple application tonight for the message. It's a simple bottom line. These people found themselves in an impossible situation. And yet God moved beyond their wildest dreams. He moved beyond their wildest dreams, did the impossible for them, in them, and through them. And he's still doing it today for his people. Would anyone say amen? Will you stand with me for a second? I'll show you one last Bible verse where Paul is writing to the Ephesians in the New Testament. And he's writing to them. And in the process of writing this, he, he brings this prayer. It just flows out of the guy's heart, flows from his pen by the Holy Spirit. And it's something that we have to take on for ourselves. Because you know what? I look at impossible situations in my life. I think, that could never happen. I look at people whose hearts are far away from God and say, nah, that could never be opened. I look at situations where people are physically in need and I think, nah, that could never happen. I look at the impossible in my life. I'm sure you look at the impossible in your life. But Paul writes to them and he says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power at work. Where is it work? Within us. It's at work within us. It's already going on in our lives and in our souls. He's already placed it. He's already placed the down payment of it in the form of his Holy Spirit in our lives. Do you have something that is impossible that you need God to change in your life? Do you need wisdom tonight? Are there people here tonight who need wisdom? I want us to pray for two things. That God would do the impossible in your life. That God would open the doors that seem impossible. That he would cause you to connect with the people that seem impossible. That you would see situations that are impossible becoming possible through God's intervention in your life. We're going to sing the song Waymaker because that's what Jesus is. We're going to sing Waymaker. And we're going to go straight in. We're going to sing Waymaker, Miracle Worker. And then we're going to pray. Let's go to Waymaker. Jesus, Lord. You are Waymaker. Waymaker.